Listener Beth recently wrote to tell us, I go to my happy place when I see you have a new episode. So fun. Gosh, Dee, how nice. We've turned the middle of the week into a happy place. Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Dean Nash from Guthrie, Oklahoma, where I garden on seven and a half acres out in the country. And I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana. I have a suburban garden measured in square feet, about a third of an acre. We call ourselves Garden Angelus because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we want you to love it too. Yes, we do. And we aren't afraid to spill the beans and tell all of our gardening secrets, the good, the bad, and even the ugly. But that's enough of who, what, when, where. Let's move on to this week's episode. Hello, Dee. Hello, Carol. How does your garden grow? Uh, you know, it's same as always, good, bad, and ugly. You want to hear the good? Yeah, I see that. Yeah, just let, always start with the good. Oh, my gosh. Dee, it is the best green bean year in such a long time. Remember last year was such a disaster with the green beans? Oh, Wrong my goodness. Variety, yes. stringy yeah. old things. Flat, fuzzy. Ugh. I'm back to my good old provider. And some generic mm-hmm. brand I bought at the hardware store, and they are delicious and lovely, and I am picking them every other day. Got some squash. It's all good. It's all good. So now what's the bad? Well, it's good and bad. So we had three inches of rain over the last week, which is kind of good. We need it rain. It can be, but it can also be too much. <laughs> My gosh. The weeds. <laughs> the weeds. I got to go back after we record. I got to go back to the vegetable garden to do some more weeding. We'll hear the ugly. Oh, yeah, I guess so. What? Well, there's two uglies. One's written and one's not. So I did find Japanese beetles and they are mostly on my beautiful canna blooms. And I I had overwintered the canna roots from last year successfully, uh-huh. potted them up. They sprouted. They look really good. They're blooming great. And then those nasty Japanese beetles decided that that's where they were going to have their little party. <laughs> their little party their little fornicating party i hate so those things i just flick them off and tell them to go away and then the other thing is you know i had a lot of viola seedlings i had potted yeah. those up and then i realized something's been eating on them like i don't know if it's slugs or whatever so they're looking a little ratty so i cleaned up where they're going to be planted out and i planted them out today which normally like july is not the time to plant stuff out but right not here they, either I figured they had a better chance out there in the bed that they were going to be in than they did in those pots getting chewed up by God knows what. Yeah. But that's me. You tell us about your garden. I harvested a ton of food yesterday from the garden, even though it's hot and sticky here. Because guess what happened recently? Rain. Yeah, it rained. This time was just half an inch. It was pretty gentle. Um, I feel like I live in Indiana. Anyway, I, I got an eggplant, which I normally get more eggplant, but I think they were being shaded too much by something else uh, growing in the garden. Sometimes in the interplanting, right? something can shade something else, and that's what was happening. I've gotten a ton of tomatoes, a lot of cherry tomatoes, unfortunately, all yellow. Some green beans, <laughs> green beans, potatoes, loads of cubanelle peppers. So I took the peppers and I roasted them last night, put that on my Instagram and made a really good chili relleno casserole. And it's kind of a riff off of several recipes, including one by my friend, Karen. Well, I, I did get some peppers this morning. I was out picking. I've been out all morning, by the way. And so we might show a video clip and I'm going to look like, oh, like I've been out in the garden all morning. Well, I just look tired, but it doesn't matter. 
I put, I picked a bunch of cubanelles, a bunch of yellow bananas. So peppers are really coming on. They're starting to come on pretty good. First couple of bell peppers. So it's all good that way. So I've just, I also, um, I can't remember the name of it. I think it's like sweet sunset or something like that. And it's a multicolored pepper with really pretty variegated leaves. A ton of those too. So next year, I know I won't hold to this, but next year I'm going to just grow cubanelles. Big Jim, and whatever this variegated pepper is. You know I'm not going to do that because I also okay, like Okay, listeners. So there's a variegated pepper fish? No, it's not a fish pepper because it's not hot. Oh. It's um, I'll have to look it up. It's an AAS winner. I think I have the same one. She must have sent us seeds for because I grew these from seed, but it's a striped pepper. But, Me too. It's about the size of a banana pepper, maybe a little bit smaller. Yeah, it's a little smaller. Okay, listeners. We will figure out what pepper that is, and we're going to put something in our show notes. But I wanted <laughs> yeah, to say, I'll look Dee, it up. Uh-huh. talk about things being shaded. So, you know, I'm doing the three sisters gardens. So I got the corn, I got the pole beans coming up in the corn, and yep. I have a uh, spaghetti squash down below. Right. So I will say that the bean plants are spindly because they're shaded. And the squash is the same way. And I'm like, well, they're getting a lot of shade. And I think it's because I grow such a compact, um, block of corn sunlight's yeah. not getting down in there and so mm-hmm. I guess you know it's just a, it's just a grand experiment as all gardening is as all gardening is because you know what nothing's perfect and somebody wrote on Instagram yesterday and I actually sent it to you and I sent you screenshots of what they wrote and they were talking about how things weren't going perfectly and they had to do something. I can't remember why they, they had to pull something out. And I said, you know what? You just do what you got to do exactly. and not worry about it so much. We mm-hmm. don't have to be perfect. Nope. Not Yay. at all. Okay. I have a quote for the flowers, which doesn't really relate to the flowers, but it'll relate to something else further down. Okay. Butterflies are self-propelled flowers. Robert A. Heinlein. Oh, that is so sweet. What a sweet quote. It is a sweet quote. But it has nothing to do with our flower either, which is not a butterfly magnet as near as I can tell. No, I don't think it is. Might be a hummingbird magnet. I don't know. uh, I haven't seen anything on it. So this will be our last flowers by shape because we're running out of shapes we care about. Okay. (laughs) So spike. (laughs) A spike is an unbranched, indeterminate inflorescence, similar to a raceme, but bearing sessile flowers, meaning that the flowers are directly attached to the stalk without stalks of their own. Okay. And so had a little bit of trouble coming up with an interesting flower. And then I realized that I had nifophia, which is really weird. Oh, yeah, to nifophia. Say. Red hot poker. And I have one plant in my garden and it was an orange, orange, spiky flower. Yes. And I, I thought, used to grow it. I don't I think you like it a long time. The leaves I don't are, like it. No, it's too spiky for you. Yeah, it is. I like fluffier things. Yes. Anyway, so I thought this is an Indies garden. And I think I probably have it because it was a um, gift. Yes. A, a, a trial, trial plant. plant. Probably from yes. Proven Winners. And we'll link to probably. they have a whole family of plants called the Pyromania family. Get it? I do love the name of that. I mean, I thought that was really cute. So, and then I was looking stuff up and the aloe plant is in the same family as Nifophia. And that is the as- 
Asphodelaceae, which they claim that daylilies are also in that family, but in a different subfamily. <laughs> okay. Because daylilies are nothing like um, hot poker, red hot poker, which I have grown. I have grown it in the past. It does. And you have in, the, in our notes that it toler- probably tolerates dry conditions. Yes. That would be the only reason I would grow it is because it tolerates dry conditions because normally it's dry in Oklahoma, but it's not dry now. Yeah. And mine, like I say, it was, it's nice. And where I had it, I mean, it, I, I wasn't going to rush over and like, ooh and all over it, but it's nice. And proven winners. I look, they have a whole bunch of varieties, like six or seven. And the ranges from like red through orange and some of them are bicolor flowers. Yeah. So if you have dry conditions and you like really warm color flowers, reds, oranges. Nephophia might be just the thing for you. Yeah, maybe. Not for me, but for other people, yes. So anyway, that was the spike flower. We'll come up with a different series next week because we've exhausted flower forms. Yeah, we're tired of it. So we're moving on, man. Yeah, we'll come up with something fun. You just wait and see. Maybe we'll never mind. Okay. (laughs) She's always good at the tease, isn't she? I found our pepper and I texted it to you while we were sitting here. Well, I thought I got a text. And so it's called sweet sunset. That's probably what I have. Yeah, it is because we got the leaves variegated on yours. Yes. Yeah. That's it. White and green. Very pretty pepper makes very pretty green and white peppers, kind of green and white, green and yellow. And then it turns to this kind of orangey red color. Uh, You know, if I let them, but here's the thing about peppers. If you wait too long and you let them all go to red stage and don't pick any of them, the pepper plant sometimes will poop out and not do anything else because it says, Hey, I did my purpose in life. I, I made seeds. Yeah. Cause it's an annual. So just keep that in mind and always pick some of your peppers green. And then that way you'll continue to get peppers. That's, that's right. one of, that's just a little extra tip. That's right. You do the next quote. I came up with it. You do it. Be brave enough to be bad at something new unknown. If you're a gardener, you're a bad at stuff all the time. Yeah. It's very humbling. <laughs> it is. We tried a new pepper and it's, it's gone well. We were brave. We were brave. So one of the things that really bothers gardeners this time of year is this is when people start telling you all their tomato trials and tribulations. Yes. And there are many. <laughs> yes. Because tomatoes are not easy to grow. They are hard to grow, kind of. Um, I don't find them that hard, especially in containers, but if you tried to grow tomatoes in the ground this year, it was really hard because we kept getting those drenching rains that just took all the organic matter off the soil because you get five inches in 45 minutes. That's too much rain too fast, things like that. So that's one problem. This is also the time of the year that blight rears its ugly head. Indeed. And I have made an observation in my own garden, Dee. What's that? Well, I don't have any blight yet. And my I don't either. As you'll recall, I did not plant my tomato plants out until Memorial Day weekend. And so I sometimes think that waiting is sort better. of it's better. And my do I have ripe tomatoes? I do not. And that's a little bit embarrassing because my dad was always like, you know, trying to get one by Father's Day. And I'm just like, I think I'll have one by August 1st, I hope. Well, you had to put them out so late this year because it was so dang cold, right? I know. And they wouldn't have done anything anyway. But I think they're... They just sat there. 
they were tiny when I put them out there, but man, they are healthy and they're growing very well. And I've tied them up several times, but so I don't see any blights. I don't see any leaf spot. Thank God I have not yet seen any hornworms. I'm hoping if I get hornworms, they'll go to that flowering tobacco, the Nicotiana, which is all over the vegetable garden. I hope they go there. And enjoy they might, that. They're tobacco ones. Yeah. Okay. So I have. I am seeing septoria leaf spot. I'm also seeing blossom end rot. I just want people to know that, especially on uh, the Italian cooking tomatoes. Oh yeah. Those stupid I, tomatoes. They are the worst about blossom end rot. I always expect the first ripe Italian cooking tomatoes, the Romas. I always expect the first ones to go straight to the compost bin because they've got blossom end rot on them. They look really lovely. Turn on the bottom, and that's just like the varying moisture levels. They say causes that, and a lack of uptake of calcium, and it's very hard to fix. And so, just throw away the first batch. Also, Marzano San Marzano doesn't tend to get blossom end rot as bad as Roma and Roma two. That's what I've noticed in my garden, and And it has to be how the blossom attaches to the bottom of the tomato. But I'm seeing blossom end rot on it too this year because it's just been so wet. Well, I have San Marzano and I also have a variety called Amish Paste. Those are my two. I think those are the two for the paste tomatoes. So we uh-huh. will see if either or both has blossom in rot problems. I know our listeners so, are just can't wait to find out. Yeah. And also stink bugs, which we also call shield bugs. Those are a pain in the neck on my tomatoes and they suck through the skin. I never see those. We see them here. And so they're a pain. You can spray them with neem if the temperature is under, I think, 90 degrees, but it won't kill the adults. It just kills the nymphs. But what I do is I just pick my tomatoes when they are just starting to show color because then they aren't as attracted to them until they're ripe. But sometimes I forget, and then I just go out there and I cut that section off the tomato. I guess the point we're making is tomatoes, nobody grows perfect ones all the time. Nobody. But- you got to try every year. And the thing I always tell people about trying new things, going back to our yep. quote is, if you've had real good success with a tomato variety, I would plant that variety and then I would plant a new one. So you would sort of have a better chance of having something if the new one turns out to be a big dud. So what's your favorite tomato that you're growing this year? Let's talk about something happy for a minute. Okay. So, well, I don't know if this is happy or not. My favorite tomato to grow is German Johnson, and I didn't grow it this year. <laughs> I don't no, know why. It has to be. It has to be the one you grew this year. Black cherry. Yeah, black cherry is pretty good. It has kind of a tough skin, but it is pretty good. Um, I think my favorite tomato variety is 1884 Yellow Pink Heart. And the weird thing is, is that's an heirloom, and it normally doesn't produce very many tomatoes. But this year I have two plants and they've produced more tomatoes than anything else. Hmm. Maybe they know you never something know you don't know. <laughs> Maybe they like water a lot. Maybe that was the problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the other thing, too, is no two years are alike in the vegetable garden. Last year, nope. bad green bean year. This year, great green bean year. This year, tomato plants all look pretty darn good. I hope I haven't jinxed it by talking about how good they look. And mine looks good a month ago. They aren't looking so good now, but people don't worry about that. Just pull off the dead branches, especially if they're heirlooms They'll just, in their indeterminates, they'll just keep growing. Also in our state, in our part of the world, I suggest that you grow some of each, both hybrids and open pollinated heirlooms. You cannot save seeds from hybrids. 
And also, I think with tomatoes, if you were going to save seed, I would probably isolate the seed. But it's a, I'm not going to save seed, Carol. I don't save seed for my tomatoes. I don't save seed for my tomatoes. There's a lovely person in my garden club who has a, a big family heirloom tomato that she saves seed from every year. And she gave me some seed several years ago. I did not have very good luck growing it. And um, even though she's moved to a retirement village, I'll call it, she's carried that seed with her. And then the community garden, she and her grandchildren are continuing to grow that family variety, which I think is very, very lovely. That is lovely. And if you've got a family variety, go for it. Um, and then that's about it for tomato troubles. Just Wait a minute. You forgot oh, one other tomato trouble. What's that? When you have too many ripe all at the same time. Yeah, then you got to make a tomato tart or something. I don't know. You got to do something but, to get rid of those tomatoes. You could give them away to people. Like my sister listens to this, my one sister. And if I end up with a bunch of tomatoes and I don't give her some, she's going to be mad. You're in big trouble. Big trouble. You'll be in big trouble. You're I took some to my favorite restaurant. Yeah, you probably are. I went to my favorite restaurant a couple of days ago and I took them a bag of tomatoes. And then um, I also took a bunch of other stuff. Oh, by the way, can you see over my shoulder? I positioned something so you could see it. Oh, I see. It's your honey. Yeah. I harvested honey. I'm going to send you a jar. We might do another video clip. And so when we do, I'll make sure that honey's in there. Okay, cool. I got one more thing to say about giving away tomatoes. Okay. So somebody tried to give me their tomatoes, but they told me how they dusted their plants with seven S-E-V-I-N just because- And I'm like, I don't want no. your tomatoes Thank that you, have been no. dusted with a pesticide. I can buy those at the grocery store. <laughs> exactly. <Good laughs> and there's no telling how much they dusted it because sometimes um, gardeners at home put a lot more pesticides on their stuff than you would get from the store. Exactly. That's a topic for another day. Exactly. I'm going to do the next quote. Go for it. You don't discover your own gardening potential until you have a gardenable space of your own, if only a humble window box. And that's Penelope Lively in Life in the Garden, which is on the bookshelf today. And I don't think that we have been this excited about a book since maybe The Earth in Her Hands <laughs> a year ago. Maybe we've uh, had one in between that we love. We were, this we were much. excited about the book on tropical plants by Marianne Wilburn. Oh, we do love that one too. But this one's really good too. Well, and a totally different kind of book. Like I've never really read a gardening book or a memoir or a study that was anything like this book. Yes. And I liked it so much that I was reading it on my Kindle. And then I bought a paperback version because I thought, I want to keep this book. It's too lovely not to have the actual physical copy. And so I'll probably reread it again this coming week. I mean, I read it all in one day because it was Friday, I think. Poured down mm-hmm. rain all day long. Couldn't do anything but read. Or at least not, not like I was going to do housework or anything crazy. You weren't going to mop the floors or anything. Oh, heavens so, no. So you have one of her quotes in here. And I'm going to read it. Okay. We garden for tomorrow and thereafter. We garden in expectation. And that is why it is so invigorating. Gardening, you are no longer stuck in the here and now. You think backward and forward. You think of how this or that performed last year. You work out your hopes and plans for the next. That's That's, beautiful. That is beautiful. 
Here's the other thing about Penelope Lively that we didn't figure out until we got this book. She's actually a very, um, very big author. Big. De- she's a big deal. She won a Booker Prize in England. She's British. And she mm-hmm. wrote all these other novels, which now I think I'm going to go down the rabbit hole of reading those novels, which isn't the mm-hmm. rabbit hole that I've got. But I just love that she sort of intermixes philosophy and art and uh, historical gardens, historical gardens. gardens. Oh, my gosh. It's she talks about the Garden everything. of Eden in here. Um, she talks about Egyptian gardens. She lived in Cairo when she was a child. Yes. Okay, so I... I didn't figure out how young she was. And I put my air, I did air quotes because she's now 88 years old. And when she wrote this book, she talked about going to Giverny, Monet's garden, when she was 80. Yes. And I thought, how old is this woman? And then I looked her up and she's 88. Yes. And so when she wrote this book, because I looked that up too. So this book was written in. Uh, 2017. Uh, so she would have been 84. Right. So she, and she had written three novels. I actually linked in another section, kind of in the rabbit hole section, I linked to her um, a biography about her, an interview. And she's a very interesting person. She lived a very interesting, she has lived. Well, I'm going to go listen to that interview. And then in the front of the book, the fiction books, there's like at least two dozen here, I think. And she wrote like, three in her eighties. I got three books. I got to read some <laughs> she's more. She's amazing. Books. So, like halfway through the summer, it suddenly became the summer of Penelope Lively. It did, and that's where books can take you. Oh, all you over know? the place. And she loves gardens, and she loves gardening. And there's one gar- There was one thing she was talking about. She was talking about gardens in the written word. That was one section of it, and she was discussing rhododendrons. And how rhododendrons are so, red rhododendrons are so important to the novel Rebecca. Did you ever read the novel Rebecca? By yes. Daphne no, Demer? no, I did not read that. But okay, I thought you've got to read it. I thought I've got to read that book. I mean, I, it's really I, good. I read this on the Kindle and then I bought the paper book. And now I want to go back to the Kindle because I did take some notes on the Kindle version and go right. back and mark those spots. Or I'll just reread the paperback. So it was super good. Anyway, the rhododendrons were so important in Rebecca and she did some quotes from it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I never even know. I've read Rebecca twice and I've seen all of the shows. And so I never noticed about the rhododendrons. I don't know why, but they're so important to that closed in scary feeling of the book. And if you've ever been to England and you stand amongst rhododendrons or at James Madison's house, in the United States, they're, you know, they're eight, 10 feet tall, 20 feet yeah, tall. They're huge. And they're scary. They're huge and they're red. And Rebecca is such an important character in the book. It just fits. Anyway, I really loved this book. I'm really glad we read it. Yes. And so that is Penelope Lively's Life in the Garden. And we will put a link in the show notes and maybe some of our listeners will want to read it as well. I hope so, because it was worth it. All right, let's go on to our dirt. So our dirt this week is we want to do a hat tip to Dr. Jared Barnes. I forget what university he's at. I'm thinking North Carolina State, maybe, maybe Texas. We should have looked that up. (laughs) Anyway, he has a look up everything. He has an email newsletter. It comes out on Fridays or Saturdays, and we'll put a link to his his website. But also he came up with um, 
a new gardening board game. Did he create the board game or did he just talk about it? He just talked about it, but the game is called Mariposa. Yes. For butterfly. Spanish. Yes. And the theme is you move around the board, collecting native flowers and breeding monarch butterflies. And your goal is to get as far north as you can. But at the end, you have to get back to the breeding grounds in Mexico. So it just seems like a nice game to talk about, uh, to teach people about monarch butterflies. I think it's really cool. And now I need to have it. But I didn't know about this until you told, told us about it. And I was trying to look up Jared Barnes stuff. But goodness, he's got a lot going on. He does. I will go back to his website and I will, I will link to that in the show notes because his, his uh, email newsletter that comes out, I think he's going to be sending it out on Saturdays. Now he said Um, he always has some great stuff in there and links to very interesting horticulturally related things. Yeah. His blog is called Maristem. Uh Uh-huh. That sounds right. Yeah. Maristem. It's cool. Now we're going to talk about our new segment from last week, the rabbit holes. The rabbit holes, you go first. So I'm just going to be really brief. So I went down this rabbit hole looking for Parma violets, which are the violets that people talk about that were heavily scented that everybody in the 19th century had to have. And they were growers galore. And then around 1910, somebody synthesized the chemical that gave those violets their scent and was able to produce that in mass for perfumes and stuff. And that was the end of Parma violets. But I wanted one because, well, because, you, because you sent I me, sent you that link. <laughs> well, you sent me a post from Matt Mattis, what he's three thinking scented violets. He went down a rabbit hole trying to figure out the species and all that stuff. Anyway, there are two places that might have them. And, mm-hmm. um, you have to buy the plants because the, the the plants are sterile, so no seeds. Oh, no seeds, yeah. Yeah. So I've got myself, I'll I may or may or may not have room. The the show notes can only be so long. If somebody really wanted to know where to get Parma violets, I'm assuming they could search for it like I did. But I was out working in the garden today and I made a big decision about violets and violas. You want to hear what it? What was that? Yeah, I want to hear it. I decided that. In a genus of 600 species, I need to narrow my focus. I still want yeah, to get a Parma say. violet. I still want to get a Parma violet, but I really am going to focus on what they call the horned violas, viola mm-hmm. cornuta, which are the hardy violas. That's going yes. to be my focus. That's all I'm saying for now. That's all you're going to do. You're not going to keep on trying to find. No, I'm backing um, out of this. I'm backing out of this Parma violet violet rabbit hole and i'm just going to stick with the violet violas that are hardy in fact i'm going to go down to the local greenhouse and ask if they'll grow those sorbet series that i talked about a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. anyway okay so that sounds like a good way i think when we have passions about things we have to like limit ourselves somewhat right yes like with daylilies you can't collect all you know however thousands there are now you cannot and those are named varieties i think there's like 120,000 but i can't find it on the daylily website anymore and i think that's because i'm just joking but i think that's because they're embarrassed by how many named varieties there are so they're like exactly don't look over here yeah okay (laughs) so you went down another you're down a rabbit hole which sounds like a really good one d i could go down there but 
You're trying not to, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I went over and had uh, lunch with my friend, uh, Debbie, and um, Deb made us this amazing, amazing lunch that I'm still thinking about all this time after. And by the way, Deb is a listener. And one of the items that she made out of it was out of a book called Six Seasons, A New Way with Vegetables by Joshua McFadden. We'll link to it. Um, I've been on a cookbook rabbit hole. How am I going to cook all the vegetables that are coming out of the garden? Because originally when they first come out of the garden, I just do them straight. Like, you know, yeah. steam the green beans, slice the tomatoes, fry the squash. That's not so simple, but whatever. And then, and then I'm like, well, I've got to do something else, right? Exactly. What do you do with all the cherry tomatoes? Because there's like 4 million of them. So uh, anyway, I'm thinking about that. That's my one rabbit hole is I'm doing And Six Seasons is a beautiful book and I got it yesterday. So I can't wait to look through it. And then I pulled down all of my other vegetable cookbooks too. So I've been having a good time. Then I did something really bad rabbit hole wise. Okay, D, this is a good confession time. I bought more daylilies, which is stupid because <laughs> it's the wrong. Of the, it's the absolute wrong time of the year. Do as I say, not as I do. Don't buy daylilies this time of year. You can't put them, you know, you have to pot them up, put them in partial shade so that the roots don't rot. What a pain. Anyway, you can buy bare root daylilies. They'll dig them up at the daylily place. I think they'll, they'll dig them anytime. They're digging them now. As long as well, it's not too wet. They, these were dug in Kentucky and sent to my house and they're all kind of pricey ones. So I'm trying to keep them alive. The end. Oh, that is hilarious. All right. So let's talk about our garden commissions and wrap this week up. I'm going to continue weeding, cutting back, and I'm going to harvest my potatoes. Weeding is definitely on my agenda for the week. I'm going to order up bulbs for the fall planting. Ooh, I need to do that. I need to go figure out which ones I've already ordered and then which ones I want to order. I know I want, anyway, we'll talk about that next week. And then yeah. I'm going to keep harvesting green beans, squash, peppers, and hopefully a couple of cherry tomatoes. We shall see. Mm, that sounds that sounds delicious. We're in a delicious time of year. Exactly. We want to thank you for listening to The Garden Angelus. If you like our podcast, please tell your friends about us. Also hit that subscribe button so you don't miss anything. And if you listen to Apple Podcasts, we love a five-star review that helps us get noticed by others. Could you also share our podcast with your gardening friends? Beth has. Word of mouth is still the best way to get the word out there. Yes. And be sure and check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topics, plus links to our own websites. And if you want to help support us, use those affiliate links. If you buy something after clicking through on them, we're in a small commission and it costs you nothing. It was lovely to chat with all of you over the garden gate today. Bye until next week. Bye everybody.